Wait, I'm wearing the gayest outfit. Yeah, you're doing pretty gay today. Dude, it, it's so bad. These are fleet, like flannel lines. No. No. It's gold! <laughs> and I have. Oh, they match. Does your dress. scarf match your flannel and your pants? Yes, yes. Oh. And I have my little vintage ass, like REI. <laughs> Sips tea. That's a homosexual oh. if I ever seen one. Hello, and welcome back to the Gay Ergos podcast. My name is Lizzie Houston, and last night I was up until 2 a.m. watching TikToks. And I'm Kiro Sullivan, and I identify as South Dakota's worst nightmare. <laughs> what? We'll get into it. Don't you worry. <laughs> I can't wait. Um, today, Kira and I are going to be covering um, gender and sexuality and some of the issues that we've been seeing with uh, NCAA policies regarding trans athletes. Um, I will personally say that I am no expert in this at all. Um, I'm mostly here to absorb information and listen to, to Kira. I know she has many opinions and lots of thoughts on this matter. So I'm super excited to hear what she has to say. And hopefully you all are uh, as well. Um, Kira, take it away. Lizzie, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're letting me basically just rant into a void for the next, like, however amount of time. But I will say I'm also not an expert on these policy and these issues, but I have had a lot of vested interest in all this. To start, I think, you know, let's take a deep breath and not dive into the big, heavy, awful things that might be going on in sports world, but talk a little bit about gender identity. You know, I think this is a common conversation on a lot of teams, um, especially now a lot of the younger generations are really exploring that gray area between the genders. And I think it's a really exciting time to just kind of get to be whoever you are. Um, in a lot of places, it's, it's a very safe and, you know, supportive environment. And that's not true for everywhere yet. So hopefully, you know, conversations like this can help foster that space and make it a little bit safer and a little more, more understanding out there. Lizzie, have you ever given a lot of thought to like gender in your life or is this like a new thing for your brain space? Um, I've definitely thought about gender, uh, definitely less than I have my own sexuality. Um, you know, growing up, I was a tomboy. I grew up with two older brothers. Um, you know, I was surrounded by more like masculine, um, you know, air quotes is always more masculine ideals, you know, video games and, you know, not that sports are masculine, but obviously 20 years ago, we weren't talking about the same, you know, we weren't talking in the same way. So, um, yeah, I, I think gender is probably a newer, um, newer concept for me. I was probably first exposed to really diving into the deeper realms of it when I took a gender, um, and sexuality class in uh, in college my sophomore year and it was just really interesting to to be able to learn about kind of the history of all of the movements to allow not only you know every you know the lgbtq community uh, more specifically i mean it started with men it started with gay men with you have act up um and you know all of those movements and then you have stonewall um and there's tons of there's tons of incredible things and resources out there for you know to read and to learn, um, and the people that came before us that have allowed you know 
Kira and I to do this podcast freely and be openly gay in um, my everyday life and our everyday lives. Um, but as far as gender, like I said, uh, just more like, I mean, clearly right now I'm more masculine presenting, but I still identify as a woman. I, I do love being a woman. I think there is something you know, special to that community. And, you know, in college, it was always, you know, we're William Smith women, we're herons, you know, we're very separate from this, you know, the Hobart statesmen. Um, so there was that camaraderie, but, you know, there were also students that were like, well, you know, what if I don't, what if I am a woman, but I don't really identify with our policies. And what if I want, you know, Hobart on my, on my diploma rather than William Smith, you know, where are these divides? Where can we cut the divide? Actually, it's really cool. Um, on our campus, we had a, <laughs> it's going to sound weird, but we had a giant scissor sculpture um, oh, on campus, but it, 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 it represented the, the cut between the divide of Hobart and William Smith. So Hobart, Hobart came, Hobart came first. Uh, it was, I think it was 1822. So I think we're in our bicentennial this year for, for the men's college. Um, and then William Smith, um, got Hobart out of debt, um, and bringing in the women's college. So, uh, but there were separate parts of campus for a long time. And then that there's a Pul- the Pulteney street goes straight down the middle and that's where the scissor sculpture is. So um, if anyone from HWS is listening and I'm getting anything wrong here, please shoot me a message. Let me know. But um, as far as I'm aware, that is, that is where that comes from. So I've always kind of found that divide fascinating because, you know, we're not obviously like technically a historically women's college, you know, the Balsley Smith, et cetera, all of those, but there is this, wonderful community of William Smith as a, a, a women's college, which is pretty sweet. I mean, we can have, um, you know, single gendered housing for men and women and, um, you know, kind of wherever you want to fall. And like, obviously there's co-ed housing as well, but um, that's kind of the extent of my experience uh, from a very personal basis. Um, I think there were times, there have been times in my life where I've been like, hmm, but overall, um, I've, I've pretty, I've pretty much settled. Uh, my pronouns are she, her. I, uh, like I said, I, I love being a woman. That's just something that I enjoy, whether or not I'm masculine presenting or not. Um, I think I mentioned this last time I do kind of sometimes miss straight passing, but, um, it doesn't always matter. It's, uh, it's a give and take and sometimes a give, sometimes a take. Yeah. And I never knew that about your undergrad, like history, like that's so cool. Like you literally have physical space to show that kind of balance between the two gendered colleges. Like that's so interesting. (laughs) And I'm sure there's been many a like thesis wrote written about this. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's a really special place and um, I'm grateful for my time there. And like I said, I learned so much and my, my professor, um, I think it was either my sophomore or junior. So I, I transferred, took five years. So all of my years are always confusing. Um, but uh, I think it was that year where I was taking this class and I was like, okay, I'm definitely not straight. What What's happening here? Because <laughs> I was just learning so much. And I was like, wait, this is so cool. It's just, it's so interesting. And even just from like a, an educational standpoint, not even just like a personal standpoint. Um, but yeah, my experience has been pre- pretty, pretty positive so far. And I'm very grateful for that. Um, but I'm, I'm really curious, Kira, to, to hear your thoughts on, on this as well. I mean, you know, t- kind of talk about your gender representation. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very, I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on this. 
Yeah. Well, even along the vein of like space, right. And kind of gaining that education, gaining that vocabulary of being in that class for you. It was very similar for me moving to where we live now, where I, you know, I went to a very liberal undergrad school where we kind of had the beginnings of this conversation of like non-binary, not fitting along the gender lines. And it was just a kind of a curiosity at the time, but moving to where we live now, this is a hugely like very open, very inclusive space with a lot of trans people, a lot of non-binary people, a lot of just gender questioning people, which is really cool. And I'm learning all these ways to talk about and view the world just by living in this space. Um, And I think since moving here, I've been like, huh, you know, like I, I love gray areas. I have always loved gray areas and like existences. And I was a sociology undergrad major. So the idea of like presenting as a gender and acting a gender and rehearsing and performing as a gender is always something that I've, you know, not always, but since taking those classes undergrad was something that we've talked about. I talked about for years and the performance of gender was always something that like, I found so fascinating and I'm a very femme presenting woman. Um, but I'm starting to lean into this idea of, I think I, I like existing as a, you know, with they, them as my pronouns for now, I'm really comfortable with she, they, I understand that for a lot of the world, a lot of the country, especially here, we're not there yet in terms of the vocabulary and the conversation. And I present very feminine. So the, she is just like, I don't really care because this is how I act. This is how I present. Cool. I would love to lean more into presenting as a little bit, you know, non-binary. I, it's something I'm trying to learn how to do. Um, I don't, you know, like, I don't want to, I don't want to cut my hair, which I feel like is not a necessity, but for some reason, something that a lot of people expect. Um, but I, I like existing in that space where I just am like, I just am. And today I feel a little bit more mask. I'm going to wear this that's cool. Tomorrow I'm going to feel a little bit more femme. I'm going to wear that and present as that. That's cool too. And whatever day, whatever, I can just present how as I want. Um, and I love the freedom in that. And I think a lot of people are, you know, encountering these other people who have like he, they, she, they pronouns. And they're like, are you just confused? And it's like, no, I think this is just a space where we can figure it out and we can lean on whichever we want. And it's a spectrum and I can, basically exist however I I want to according to my rules not according to the way that I've been taught to present as a gender um and I think you know something really interesting that actually me and my partner experienced my partner is a little bit more mask presenting and people all of the time will come up to me and be like what are Alex's pronouns and I'm like is it because she presents a little bit more androgynous and you've never asked Alex what my pronouns are and funnily enough I'm the one that's a little more like she they and Alex is very comfortably she her so we have this conversation a lot where we're like is that a little like anti-supportive to be like I'm assuming that you are the one that's non-binary because you present a little bit non-feminine but you, you look feminine, so you must be along the binary. So it's just a whole lot to explore in there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you bring up some really amazing points of, you know, presentation. And, you know, like you said, you don't, you don't want to cut your hair. And I feel like a lot of people do view 
cutting your hair is like the first step of like identifying as non-binary, which is unfair to a lot of people um, to, you know, honestly, everybody. And I, I think there should be kind of this norm and I'm, I'm bad at asking people what their pronouns are and going through it, but, I, and I'm still pleasantly surprised when people introduce themselves to me and they're like, oh, you know, uh, I'm so-and-so she, her, I'm so-and-so they, them. Um, and I appreciate when people do that. I think it's really wonderful in normalizing it. And, um, I think we'll get to a point, you know, when we're no longer, surprised by this, um, you know, uh, introduction of each other to each other. Um, when we get to that point of being comfortable, just doing that, we'll be in a happier space, but progress takes time and we're only a small piece of the puzzle in the grand scheme of life. And just to kind of be a small part of that puzzle is kind of neat. And, uh, you know, whether what we do here is impactful, it's whoever, whatever pans out to be. Um, but it is such an interesting, like you, you bring up a ton of phenomenal points. Um, I definitely want to kind of talk about more of that presentation and feeling it's, it's all about feeling, right. It's about you as an individual and not the collective of life. Like I, like personally, I, you know, like you said, sometimes I like to wear more masculine stuff. For example, what I'm wearing right now is could someone would pick this up probably in J. Crew men's section or something. But then there are other days where I'm like, I want to dress up. I want to put on makeup. I want to look feminine. And it's still difficult with the short hair. And there are things that you have to do in order to kind of pull that off. But on the downside of that too, I think for myself, which, you know, sometimes just discourages me and makes me sad about having short hair is that like, I will never, ever, ever be looked at as a straight woman ever again, unless I grow my hair out. Mm-hmm. And so as a bisexual person, I have to like, I feel like if I were to get feelings for a man or, you know, want to pursue something with a man, I feel like I would have to convince them somehow that, oh, no, 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 no. Like I, I am attracted to you. I am interested in you. So, um, for me, that's like one of the downsides, but then there's the upside of like, I get to be like fully identified in this community. And it's like, someone will see me down the street and they're like, what's up gay? How you doing? <laughs> Hi gay. That's, yes. Hi. <laughs> hey bestie. Um, <laughs> hey everyone. Hey bestie. <laughs> yeah. And that's so, that's so funny. Cause that's something that like, I think about a lot is like, I sometimes feel like I need to like tattoo, like not straight on my forehead and be like, <laughs> kind of non-binary underneath it because it's like little mustache yeah like you look at gay (laughs) unless I like and I'm only learning to honestly like not to like simplify it down to this but like dress less straight um like in the last couple of years um and like I very straight passing human being and unless I'm with Alex and I like meet people for the first time and it's like in a more straight space it's easy to assume like ah yes she is just a girl and a person and blah 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 um and it's like no I am not any of those things (laughs) I am a person but sometimes I'm a potato too I'm not like other girls I'm worse (laughs) oh god (laughs) one of my favorite memes (laughs) 
I like, I, I don't, I always, every once in a while, I think once every couple of months, I'm like, do I need to cut my hair? Like, do I need to like prove my less straightness? Do I need to prove my gender identity? Isn't solidly she, her like, and it is so much of how we internally, you know, view ourselves, right? Like presentation is not all it is cracked up to be, but it's a lot of it. And the assumptions people make of us are based on those presentations pretty much always. Um, and you don't often get the opportunity to explain to someone like, actually, no, like blah, 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 blah. And I think, you know, it's awesome. You're right. It's so exciting when you meet someone and they're like, name, pronouns, what are yours? And it opens that conversation, which is like so affirming and cool and like oh cool you think about these things and you're not somebody who's going to judge me for like wanting to tell you these things um but it's it's a learning it's a learning curve you know we're getting the conversation out there we're getting the language out there um one of my favorite pieces of advice to give coaches who are allies is just put your pronouns in your tagline on your email that is is such an easy way to like tell a recruit, tell your team, tell anyone who gets an email from you that this is a conversation you have. You're aware of it. It's as easy as that. It doesn't need to be this big, like I'm sitting the whole team down and we are now having a conversation about this. If you want to, that's great. But little actions of being like, this is relevant. This is on my mind. This is something I'm learning to understand. I might not all the way understand it yet, but it's a, a language I'm learning what a great first step. Um, and I think that was like a huge conversation during the pandemic times of people being like DEI spaces, how do I get more inclusive? And it's like, Hey, what is your email tagline? Do you have a little pride flag in your office? Like what a great little way to say like, Hey, we're cool with y'all. <laughs> as long as you are, um, no queer. Don't baiting. be lying. Yeah. No queer. <laughs> welcome. No. Um, yeah. No, I, I but, think, yeah, no, those are all, those are all great points. I, for some reason, so in my in my Zoom, I've always I it, my personal Zoom. I don't know. I guess on my BC one, but I usually have you know Lizzie Houston, she, her, and my Zoom thing. I'm pretty sure I have them in both of my email tags and definitely my work tag. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's it is important to keep that conversation in the smallest ways. And um, you mentioned this before when you know you were talking to your your boss, your head coach, and it's like it's in the small moments, you know, for team culture. And I think that rings true for progressive culture and life in general. It's in the small, it's in the small moments. It's walking down the street and seeing someone who looks different and just smiling and nodding the way that you would someone who looks quote unquote normal to the Mm -hmm. general population. Uh, Yeah. And I mean, I think on the topic of, you know, coaches and the community that we exist in as our wonderful chosen profession, um, there has been a lot, going on lately in the NCAA when it comes to trans inclusion policies. So quick background, um, the NCAA hasn't really changed their trans inclusion policy since 2010 until very suddenly in the last two weeks, they have come out with a new policy. Um, A lot of people, very rightly so, are tying this sudden change to a particular athlete who competes at University of Pennsylvania Her name is Leah Thomas and she swims on their swim team. She has been breaking. She broke the national record for the 200 yard and 500 yard freestyle. Um, And Leah had previously competed for two years on the men's team at UPenn, fully transitioned and now competes on the women's team. And UPenn has come out to say they fully support Leah and 
they back her 100%. And she's been in compliance with NCAA policies. And then the NCAA kind of changed the policy. So, you know, we love our jobs. Let it be known. But this is not the first time the NCAA has done some shady stuff. For legal purposes. No, I don't care. I don't care. (laughs) The NCAA pisses me off a lot. Um, (laughs) You can, we can edit however you want. (laughs) Whatever. So, so this new policy comes out that basically says that sports need to defer to their national governing bodies rules on transgender inclusion. And if their national governing body doesn't have a policy, then they defer to their international governing body. And if the international governing body doesn't have a policy, they then defer to the IOC's policy. The NCAA is arguing that the reason they're doing this is because 80% of Olympians are NCAA athletes. 2% of NCAA athletes become Olympians. So they've crafted this policy after 10 years of not changing anything and advocates begging for them to make a more inclusive policy based on 2% of their athletes and pinning it to fairness and inclusion, which simply is not math. I think I am too gay to do that math. (laughs) I was an English major, so I can't do any math. (laughs) So... Part of that is also that athletes need to document testosterone levels in compliance with their sport or whatever level of governing body they could possibly pin it to, because this is confusing, four weeks before selection of championship events. It's less than four weeks away from the winter championship events. So I actually haven't even been able to figure out how this affects directly affects Leah Thomas. I don't know if she's going to be able to compete. Um, She was previously completely fine to compete. I'm not sure how this new policy specifically affects her, but this is definitely coming out because of her and because of her success. And it raises the question of like, why is it that trans athletes are allowed to exist as long as they're not succeeding? And why is it that these policies are solely so heavily focused on women's sports? What is it about the desperate need to protect women's sports I, for one, feel quite fine and that I did not need any protection. Thank you very much. It's a lot. And like, (laughs) it's putting so much pressure onto these athletes who are just trying to be themselves and who are already balancing school and sport and getting their degrees and also figuring out who they are as people beyond their gender identity, beyond the fact that they're also transitioning, which is insane to whatever level they want to transition to. Ah, and on top of this, anyone who hasn't lived under a rock in the last year has seen that the United States has been putting out across the country, some insane anti-trans youth sport bills Days after the NCAA comes out with this, South Dakota, who I gave a wonderful shout out to at the beginning of this podcast, comes out with this horrific policy that is titled, let me quote it directly, an act to protect fairness in women's sports. And South Dakota, my dear sweet state, if you are so concerned about protecting women and fairness, 
I'd love to, for you to read out loud for the class your abortion laws because you have no interest in protecting women. All you have interest in is governing human bodies. And I am so mad about it. Um, so if you live in South Dakota, call your senators, let them know you're a little bit annoyed about their recent, it's called SB 46. Let them know that you would like for trans youth to be able to compete in sports. The bill blocks trans youth, female trans youth, from competing in any sport, anything. Children, we are targeting children with this one, lest it be known. So all this to say, the NCAA is basically making more work from themselves because how are they gonna track everything? How are they possibly gonna make sure all of these athletes are in compliance with different rules if you're deferring to your governing body Who's going to keep track of that? The NCAA is already a damn mess with compliance issues. Compliance departments are already a damn mess with compliance issues. You're making more work for yourselves there. You're also pinning this to fairness and then expecting athletes to be kept at different levels. The different governing bodies have different expectations of their athletes. How does that have anything to do with fairness? How? I think it it also goes to show that they are, I, I feel like, I mean, obviously not in, in South Dakota's case where they're targeting all sports and youth sports. Um, but there's a lot to be said about team sports too versus individual sports. I mean, Leah Thompson, she's a swimmer. So therefore it's obviously there's a team goal, but it's, it's individual success there. Um, when you tie it back to rowing, it's, it's the age old thing of urge don't float. I don't care if you're going 650, if you can't row well, I don't care who you are. You're not going to be in the top boat. Right. And there, there's, there's things like that, that, um, yeah, I just, there are some things on this earth that make me love humans. And then there are so many things, probably sometimes more the negative things that make me question so many, so many things that we do and what we think. And it is, it's, it is all just a matter of control. And, like I said, I, I am not super well-versed, but I am in full support of trans athletes competing for the love of sports, for the love of just being good at, like good at what you love and what you want to do or be bad at it. It doesn't matter. I don't care. Just, just, just go out there and love it and do it and enjoy it and be in your community, be in your sporting community. I, I mean, for me, that's like, 90% of the reason why I love rowing is because of the community, not because I love doing the sport. I obviously do. It's painful as everyone knows, but it's, it's getting to meet people like you, Kira, and getting to bring people into these podcasts. I mean, hell, I'm sitting in Chloe's house. Uh, thank you for letting me do my laundry here. And thank you for letting us rant in here. You know, I, I, it's just, it's meeting all these wonderful people who I know support all of these other people and these trans athletes um, I have friends, I have trans friends who have either transitioned to moving away from women's sports and are transitioning to, you know, to, to the male, the male side of the, the, the sphere. And that's, that's incredible. And no one ever talks about that. Mm-hmm. Like you said, no one ever talks about, you know, female to male transitions. It's because again, it goes off that thing of success. Mm-hmm. Right. It's it is going to be much harder for a female transitioning to, to male to compete against 
you know, assigned gendered birth cis, cis men. I, you can, if you, if no, you want me to you're good. correct myself, I, I'm still learning. I'm still trying. Um, but again, there, you, I'm so, I'm so willing, but that's also because I think I'm a part of the community and I, I've looked for acceptance everywhere. And I continually try to accept everyone who, you know, comes my way and who, who I don't know, people who I know, people who I don't know. And I think especially for us as NCAA coaches too, it, it's going to be very interesting to see how recruiting goes over the next, you know, however long, you know, what, what are these things that we can look into to help athletes succeed wherever they choose to go and however they want to approach. I'm, I'm very, I'm very nervous, Mm -hmm. um, but I am, I'm hopeful that, that there will be better policies put in place, whether it be us rowing, who I think we've noted doesn't have any policies out really. They've maybe made a statement, but again, well, that's our national governing body. So us rowing, we need you to, to kind of help this, help this along here. Um, world rowing. Did we say had something? Yeah. It's, and it's, the fact that I have to ask this and Kira is just nodding her head. It's like, Hey, help, help us out. You know, we're doing the best that we can as individuals and as, you know, smaller support and team staff, but Mm -hmm. there's only so much that we can do except other than, you know, be as accepting and, you know, forthcoming as possible to athletes who, you know, reach out to us or, um, Mm -hmm. you know, need a hand, but yeah, Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's hard to see, you know, athletes like Leah Thomas have to deal with this mm-hmm. and, you know, she deserves the success she has worked very hard for. And her entire am, life. Yeah. Her entire life. Like, and it's it not did, just like, yeah. her life didn't just start when she transitioned. I mean, her truest self did. Very happy for her. But like, she's trained her whole life for this event and these sports. Like, are you shocked people like this succeed because they train as hard as everyone else does? Like, ah, right. Ugh. Right. It's, and it, yeah, it's, it's not a matter of worth ethic, work, work ethic. It's, it's just, we're all doing the same thing. We all want the same thing when we're training as we want to do as well as we can. And mm-hmm. that doesn't take away any of the talent that she has and the work that she's done. And uh, she deserves every, every bit of the success that, that she will hopefully get. And I, I, I really hope that she gets to compete and I hope that they do right by everyone who deserves to be treated equally. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And yeah, I mean, us rowing, we'll give them credit where they're due. They have come out to say, you know, we support the LGBTQIA community. Everyone is welcome here. You know, you can come compete, but there hasn't really been like a set policy, which is a little bit different than just saying it. And if there is, I can't find it, which is, in and of itself a problem and like we said like does world rowing have one i don't know when i google trans rowing policy british rowing has one rowing canada has one and they're immediately up there that type of just visibility is huge and that access to that policy is huge so it's something to point at when a coach says you can't compete on the team well it's like actually our governing body says i'm good so if there's a policy, I'd love for it to be a little bit more accessible. Um, and you mentioned- Give us step-by-step guides, something. Yeah. Help and us. Like, <laughs> the, 
So Rowling's left to defer to, you know, the NCAA, which then has us deferring to the IOC, which has got a pretty good policy. Um, pretty, very open, very inclusive. They worked with trans athletes to build it. So we're good, but other sports might not be as open or inclusive. And you mentioned, you know, what would the conversation be looking like if it was a female to male transition? Well, important, you know, person to know in trans advocacy world, his name is Chris Mosier. He was the first male athlete to make, he was the first out trans athlete to make a U.S. national team for triathlon or duathlon, one of the athlons. I think he also did speed walking at one point. Potentially. I actually don't yes. know that, but that would be really yeah. cool. <laughs> I listened to a podcast with him once and it was super fascinating. Mm. Um, I'll have to send it your way. But yeah, he did like did some like national speed walking competition, which is like super weird and athletic. It's awesome. I love that sport. It's so strange. Um, <laughs> but so, you know, he was one of the first to be able to do this and awesome. But I wonder how different the conversation would have been if it was an athlete transitioning from male to female, which we're seeing this insane amount of backlash. And we just kind of keep reiterating this point of like, what is the obsession with quote unquote, protecting women's sports? Why is this? I mean, it's deeply rooted in all the misogyny that we see in like other parts of the world and other parts of our policies and other structures and welcome to gender 101. (laughs) Um, But like, uh, I think at the end of the day, I'm so glad that like people, not to toot our own horn here, but people like us are in coaching. We are people who are going to help make this space more inclusive and more welcoming. And I do with my whole heart believe that rowing is a great space to be queer in. I know that's not everyone's experience and that is still something we are working on and building towards. And I'm not acknowledging all the shortcomings that have happened on many a team and many a club across our governing body the whole thing. It is still such an environment that we know each other. You're right. We know so many queer people in rowing and we're getting to bring their voices on here. And if any sport to be not straight in, I do believe, I do believe rowing is a great one. Um, So if you, if you are listening and you are a queer athlete, you are a trans athlete, you are a non-binary questioning, you're just like existing athlete out there we have a place for you here. And, uh, you know, if you are not comfortable in the boathouse you're in, I am so sorry. And l- let us know and we'll fight for you because if you can't tell I'm fiery as hell, I'm ready to take on the entire state of South Dakota. If I have to, <laughs> I am not like, as fiery, but I will absolutely advocate for anyone if they need, <laughs> <laughs> I'm more of a, like, uh, I like to write. So I'll like write some spicy emails we'll write some spicy emails i i don't want us to i mean i'm sure we could talk about this for oh yeah such a long time i think i want to keep it digestible and um just showing our thoughts and opinions on this is important mm-hmm. um, i think so too and but. for for our our listener base like we said um my my, my dms are open um, whatever, if anyone, you know, needs anything, there's tons and tons of resources, uh, you know, people in the community that are, are always more than happy to help, um, try and make your space comfortable. And if you're having a hard time, um, you have people who love you and will care for you and, um, 
you know, do their best to make you as comfortable and feel as safe as possible. Um, and I, I want to thank Kira for really, for getting me fired up and providing me with lots of resources to read. Um, I read through everyone that allowed me access except USA today, who you have to have a subscription for, and I didn't want to pay for it. (laughs) Fair. But, um, yeah, I, I'm super excited to keep having these conversations and keep bringing people on who can add to this and, um, you know, continue to support athletes, uh, in all of their transitions of life, no matter what. Um, mm-hmm. so Kira, thank you. Of course. Um, you know, I will rant about anything, anytime, anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, if, if anyone wants to reach out my way, I do keep my Instagram private, but you can reach out to at Coxless Queer, direct any questions our way about gender, anything. We are not experts, experts, as Lizzie has said, but we are thinking minds who are existing in this space, who are exploring these things for ourselves. So we will gladly explore with you. And um, yeah, if you see me out there, give me a shout out they them i have yet to be referred to as they like to my face and the day that it happens it'll feel so refer affirming and exciting and i can't wait oh i'm so excited to to give you some of that for you the love i the love the affirmation and love i would love for my life but absolutely absolutely we can wrap this bad boy up we can wrap this bad boy up Um, thank you again for tuning in to our shenanigans uh hopefully you find some some relatable content and uh we're looking forward to continue bringing you some fabulous guests um our next one we're very excited about we'll keep it we'll keep it secret and we'll get you to uh (laughs) tune in next time thank you again for for listening uh listen like subscribe all of the fun stuff uh catch us at cox's queer and this is the gay ergos podcast i'm lizzie houston And I'm Kira O'Sullivan. Stay speedy, stay queer, stay great out there. Fast boats.